1: this week, a powerful U.S. senator, North Carolina Senator Richard Burr, lost his cell phone. He lost it to the FBI.
2: Wednesday, FBI agents served a search warrant on his lawyer in order to obtain his cell phone, and then they went to his house and they actually took the phone from him. That's Sadie Gurman. She covers the Department of Justice.
1: How unusual is it for a senator to get something like a phone
2: or a computer seized by the FBI? That's very unusual. I mean, this is something that the Justice Department and the FBI do not take lightly it requires layers of approval, including all the way up to the highest echelons of the Justice Department, which means that Attorney General Barr would have likely weighed in on this case. A senior DOJ official has told us that it's not something that they do often, and it's not something that the senator wants hanging over his head as well. The phone seizure is part of an FBI probe into stock trades made by Senator Burr, as
1: well as similar trades made by a few other senators in the weeks before the coronavirus tanked the market. Today on the show, the insider trading allegations within Congress and the investigation into Senator Burr. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business and power. I'm Kate Linebaugh. It's Friday, May 15th. Let's go back to the start of this whole alleged insider trading episode. When
2: did it start? So this actually dates back to January. That is when lawmakers received one of the first briefings about the virus, which at that point was largely contained to Asia. Lawmakers are getting closed door briefings about what that would look like if it came here and sort of what would be the geopolitical implications of a global pandemic.
1: Lawmakers on the Senate Intelligence Committee and the Senate Health Committee were receiving these briefings.
2: Senator Burr sits on both. So this is pretty sensitive stuff that he's getting and he's getting it ahead of the general public because, again, at this point... The virus is pretty much contained to Asia and elsewhere. It hasn't really hit us yet. According to disclosures, shortly after those closed-door briefings, a number of senators
1: made big stock trades, many of those stocks in industries that weeks later would be hit hard by the coronavirus pandemic.
2: On February 13th, Senator Burr sells his shares of companies worth as much as 1.7 million that he owns with his wife. Other senators were also actively trading around the time that the coronavirus was starting to spread, including Republican Senators Kelly Loeffler.
0: On the same day she was briefed on the virus, Republican Senator Kelly Loeffler also sold more than a million dollars in holdings. David Perdue
2: of Georgia, James Inhofe.
0: And Republican Senator from Oklahoma, James Inhofe, sold $400,000 in stock at the end of January.
2: The husband of Senator Dianne Feinstein was also
0: selling stock. California Senator Dianne Feinstein and her husband sold more than $1 million in stock, according to financial disclosure paperwork.
2: And a few weeks later, at the end of February, the stock market begins to tumble. Breaking
0: news concerns over the coronavirus outbreak, and once again, they are affecting the stock market.
2: The Dow plummeted nearly 1,200 points yesterday,
1: marking the biggest one-day point decline ever.
2: It has become a historic week of declines, the worst week of declines since 2008 and the financial crisis. And that has obviously caused the sort of economic meltdown that we're seeing today.
1: The stock sales saved the senators from hundreds of thousands of dollars in losses. And after the sales became publicly
2: known, they caused a firestorm. People were upset even by the very appearance that these lawmakers had acted on information they received in closed-door briefings. This was happening at a time when the rest of the country just wasn't privy to that information, and while the president and others in the administration were still playing down the threat of the virus. And what did Senator Burr have to say at the time? He said he was basing those decisions not on information he got in private classified briefings, but essentially on the news. I think he cited CNBC Asia specifically. He's saying he made those trades in the same way many of us would, by watching the news and basing it on publicly available information.
1: Right. Like I've been reading the newspaper, watching CNBC and CNN, and I, as a citizen, can just make an assessment that would trigger the trades. He's arguing it wasn't because of these
2: confidential briefings. That's right. He's acknowledging making the trades, but he's saying that it wasn't based on information that he was privy to that the rest of us weren't. The other senators say that it was their financial advisors who made the trades, without their involvement
1: or knowledge. But the Department of Justice wasn't so sure. Shortly after these disclosures were made, the FBI launched an investigation. And what was the red flag that these stock moves raised for the Department of Justice?
2: Well, if these trades were, in fact, based on closed-door information, that would be a violation of a law that bars members of Congress from trading based on information they receive in their capacity as lawmakers.
1: That law is called the Stock Act. The Stock Act had been kicking around Capitol Hill for a few years. But in 2011, something happened to get it moving. 60 Minutes aired an explosive report that highlighted congressional insider trading. At that time, our own news organization found that dozens of members of Congress were trading stock of companies they helped oversee in committee assignments, and that some congressional aides often bought or sold stock of companies when they were drafting regulations for those same companies. The Stock Act was meant to stop that. It was passed in 2012. Senator Burr
2: was one of three senators who voted against it. He claimed at the time that it was duplicative because insider trading was already illegal. Senator Burr's reasoning was a
1: point of dispute among legal experts and public officials alike. Insider trading is more commonly applied to people within a company, like an employee or a board member. People who have access to information the public doesn't. Information like a company's earnings before they're reported or an undisclosed acquisition or the results of a big product launch. And then, if those people use that information to buy or sell stock in the company, that's insider trading. And so, in practice, it was unclear if insider trading rules really applied to members of
2: Congress. And I think that's why they wanted to, in passing this law, make it clear that Serving on the board of a company is sort of akin to being, you know, a member of Congress. And any sort of non-public information that you would get in that capacity, you would not be able to act on in terms of selling your stocks. That seems like a hard bar to prove. That's right. It's actually a very difficult challenge for prosecutors.
1: And that's the challenge investigators face as they pursue
2: a potential case into Senator Burr. Prosecutors are going to have to prove not only that he possessed this information and what the information was, but that he intended to act based on it in selling his stock shares. The point the senator has made is that he was basing his stock trades on publicly available information on, you know, reports that he had seen on the news. And so, prosecutors and investigators at this point are basically going to have to dig deeply into his device to determine exactly what he knew how he knew it who he told it to and what they did and what he did with that information otherwise you know his defense that anybody could have made the same decision would be more palpable what would have to be on
1: that phone for the doj to really be able to make a case like what will they be looking for on there
2: Well, they're really going to be scrutinizing his conversations with his broker, his conversations with other people who might be close to him that sold stock or acted in any particular way based on what he told them. And they will be looking for details that were not in the public arena at that point. Like they'll be looking to see, you know, if he's actually citing the briefing that he got or who told him the information. And that is why they wanted to not only just search his electronic storage, but also the device itself, because they need to get into those text messages.
1: Another hurdle that legal experts cite is that any information from the briefings was likely to have been predictions about the disease spread rather than hard facts. Members of Congress have been prosecuted for insider trading before, but largely for
2: information they got outside of their congressional duties. The most notable case recently is that a former Representative Chris Collins of New York, a Republican who was sentenced earlier this year to 26 months in prison, he admitted revealing inside knowledge to his son about a drug company stock that was likely to fall. And he learned of that information because he served on the company's board. So that's why the situation is a little bit different. If Senator Burr were to be prosecuted for insider trading, he would be
1: one of the first to face the charge for information he received within Congress. But Senator Burr isn't the only lawmaker facing FBI scrutiny over stock trades. That's after the break.
0: This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Welcome back. In recent days, we've learned that other lawmakers have also faced questions from the FBI.
2: A spokeswoman for Senator Feinstein of California acknowledged that law enforcement officials have questioned her about trades her husband made around the stock market turmoil and that she had turned over documents showing that she had no involvement in those trades. And Senator Leffler has turned over personal stock documents and other
1: information to the DOJ, the SEC, and the Senate Ethics Committee, according to a spokesperson. The spokesperson also said the documents establish, quote, that she and her husband acted entirely appropriately and observed both the letter and the spirit of the law. Why is Senator Burr the focus of this investigation
2: when there were other senators who seem to have done similar things? So Senator Burr appears to be the focus of this investigation, and that's likely because, unlike the other lawmakers who have acknowledged making trades around this time, he has admitted to making them himself. And these other lawmakers have said, you know, basically this was my financial advisors who I've hired made these trades for me, and that gives them an opportunity to say maybe we didn't even know that they had done that. Because to prove an insider trading case, It involves proving a level of fraudulent intent. And so the lawmakers who had brokers that did this on their behalf can say they had no idea that the trades were made.
1: Yesterday, Senator Burr reiterated that he hasn't done anything wrong and that he would continue to cooperate with the investigation. He also announced that he would temporarily step down from his role as the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Um, This is a distraction to the hard work of the committee and the members, and I think the security of the country is too important to have a distraction. But it's his time as head of the Intelligence Committee that adds another layer to the situation.
2: There is an interesting element of political intrigue to this investigation because of the prominent role that Senator Burr has played in high-profile investigations, including the bipartisan probe that his committee was leading into Russian interference in the 2016 election. And it is just interesting to note that while consistently conservative, he is somebody who's drawn ire at times from Trump's allies because of his role in that investigation.
1: And... In this insider trading investigation of Senator Burr, what's going to happen next?
2: So investigations like this typically take a very long time. And the department, you know, is cognizant of that and is cognizant of the fact that the senator doesn't want this hanging over his head, that there are political implications of this. This move suggests the department's in a fairly advanced stage of investigation. And then, you know, they can decide whether there's enough evidence there to bring criminal charges (laughs) If you were to guess, how long
1: would you say this sort of investigation takes?
2: You know, I think we can expect it to take months, not weeks. The FBI and prosecutors are going to want to be very careful with something like this because it is such a political hot potato. They're going to want to make sure that every T is crossed and every I is dotted and Officials from the deputy attorney general's office and the attorney general's office are going to want to make sure that they're comfortable with whatever decisions that prosecutors are making. And so I don't think it's something that we're going to see resolved fairly soon. And in kind of thinking about this point that you've
1: raised about why this has sparked public outrage, it feels like these lawmakers may have in a way that has raised the perception that they did something improperly,
2: and that doesn't look good on them. Right. And I think that's what has upset so many people, both Democrats and Republicans. This happened at a time when people are losing their jobs, and the market is tanking, and 401ks are in jeopardy. So if they made those trades based on information the rest of us didn't have, I think many people would find that outrageous.
1: That's all for today, Friday, May 15th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Ryan Knutson and me, Kate Leinbaugh. The show's made by Gerard Cole, Meg Driscoll, Pia Godkari, Annie Minoff, Ricky Nevetsky, Sarah Platt, Willa Rubin, Annie Rose Strasser, and Rob Zipko. Our show is engineered by Griffin Tanner with help from Sam Baer. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Katherine Anderson, Peter Leonard, Bobby Lord, Billy Libby, and Blue Dot Sessions. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasulka. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.